everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always is fantastic Derek Brissett. Derek, um, we're down a man. Um, our, our good friend, uh, Mr. Stuart Hardy, is unfortunately not with us. Um, Stu got a new job, so he will be kind of in and out of the lineup, dealing with an upper body injury, as they like to say in the business. Uh, no, but we wish Stu the best of luck. He's already kind of started the job and, you know, doing, doing some good work. So um, it's just going to be you and me tonight. It's going back to like the olden days. Yeah, so like, what are we saying? Stu's week to week with an upper body injury. Week to week with an upper body injury. Upper body. The upper body injury is that he needs money and shelter and food and stuff. <laughs> is that the? That's the injury. The, well, I guess where does your where does he keep his wallet? Like, if he's if he's like a coat like chest wallet guy. Do people do that? Yeah, like I know, like what? I know guys that specifically keep like just out of paranoia. Whenever they wear a jacket, they'll put it there. What if you're just wearing like a t-shirt? Then they have like a money clip. And they keep it like I don't. I don't think people do this. Then this seems ridiculous to me. No, honestly, I. Oh, oh man, that's just like I don't know. That's just all right. Whatever. Sure. I mean, do what you want to do. I'm just. I'm not complaining. But I mean, that's not. <laughs> that just seems odd. Uh, like seems seems like you're limiting your your possible wardrobe to just shirts. Always have, have, have a, pocket always have a shirt pocket. Always yeah, shirt exactly. Pocket. That's like you seem like you're limiting. Like you couldn't you couldn't wear this arrows jersey with uh yeah. by keeping your wallet up there. Yeah. Where do you where do you tuck it in? You pull like the you get by invest in a fanny pack. Like all the all the kids wear their fanny packs up here now. Like you strap it like yeah. around. So can do that. I I don't I don't feel like I can pull off a fanny pack. I don't go with the uh, uh, the fanny pack wear one. turtleneck combination like the rock back. Yeah, in the day. that would be sweet. I I wear uh well when I was at work right now schools are shut down but I wore a fanny pack at work. Uh huh. Like my hand sanitizer, my masks. Did, yeah. did you do that before you needed hand sanitizer and a mask all the time? Or no, God, no, after? God, no. Although like post pandemic, I might. Is it? Oh, it just, it just got, it just got comfy. It, it's, okay. it's, it just became part of like the lifestyle. It's part of, it's part of you now. Fanny. Yeah. The fanny pack's like, part of you now. Yeah. It's part of my, put on my, one of my limbs. Oh, wow. all right. We're, we're, let's, do let's kids, talk kids about at school. Make fun of you for wearing a fanny pack or no? No, they're like grade two, three. They don't. They, those are those are the most ruthless kids, though. No, 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 no. Grade five, six is the worst. Oh, that's the ruthless one. So do those because kids the grade one? the grade seven, eights are given like a little bit of responsibility within the school, so like they are kind of kept in check, and they also know that they're going to grade nine next year. So any you know guff they give, it's going to be dished out to them. And then like the kindergartners are just there for fun, like that grade kindergartners and grade one twos. The grade two threes, they start to get a little bit of an attitude, but they they like fear respect you enough that they're not going to toe that line yet. They fear you, Ed. Well, yeah, I'm a six foot. I'm a six foot one, like two hundred and thirty pound dude. Like, I'm I am a towering menace over these little children. I'm proud of you for being able to scare children. Then let's (laughs) probably not something you should be advertising on a publicly available podcast. Listen, sometimes you need to use your adult voice and with my stature, it just carries a little bit better. That's just all I'm saying. Anyways, we're getting off. We need to talk about a, another fantastic Toronto Arrows game. It was a thrashing once again, making uh, Rooney look quite silly. Um, Derek, what? <laughs> this is, this is, we always have this problem. If the Arrows lose, we have a hard time trying to figure out what went well. And if they win, <laughs> you have a hard time uh saying what needs improving but what went well in that game because it was uh 
kind of there there are a few things but all in all a really good game from from the arrows yeah i mean you know it's it's tough to really complain about anything when you win your second game in a row by scoring seven tries over 50 points and win by 40 plus again yeah um i mean they didn't set the record for the biggest margin of victory so i mean like, come on guys what are you doing but it's uh yeah man i mean it was a it was a great game the uh the offense, the attack, um, what Rob Howley, man, he's he's working some wonders with the uh, with the boys there because that that was just clicking on every level. Obviously, you know, kind of like the highlight of it, I guess, is like the Montero hat trick. But you know, like they, like they scored seven tries, but they scored seven tries, and like none of the tries looked the same. Yeah, they were. You know what I mean? Like they were. They came off of like. You know, they were scoring tries off of set piece at the scrum. They scored a try off, you know, set piece at the line out. They scored a try off a Rooney put in on the scrum where this, yeah. they, you know, they won the ball against the feed and then scored there too. Um, how else did they score? They scored uh, that Adams cross field kick to Montero that just oh, caught, it caught that caught the team napping. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wild. Clearly, Adams was watching the LA San Diego game yeah, the night like, before. Yeah, Cardi oh. did well with that. I'm gonna yeah, see if I can do like, it. Too. Oh, hey, that worked. Um, I can do that. Um, I think, yeah, it's like his kick was a little bit better though, too, because like Montero literally just caught that in the end goal area and, and had to wrestle Luke Hume off of him, which I mean yeah. when you're Montero, it's like what is he six? Yeah, that's why you put Mon- two yeah. two forty, like he's an absolute animal. You don't. Yeah, you think you're, you're intimidating, Dan? There's. <laughs> yeah, he's got a couple more inches on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, and probably a few more pounds of actual muscle. Actual muscle. Oh yeah, no, this is yeah. like like subs and burgers and poutine and stuff. This isn't muscle yet. Yeah, no, exactly. He probably probably <laughs> eats healthy and drinks a lot of mate or something. Oh yeah. But yeah, so it was like that crossfield kick. You had Montero. Um, Montero scored a try off a line out that didn't even work. I mean, if you like, so like it just went awry and then some, the arrow somehow managed to recover the ball anyways. And that ended up being a, a play where the arrow scored off of two. Um, Mirez kind of was a line out and then they just ran through the phases. Um, I can't remember exactly how many phases, but it was just excellent. Just ball retention, getting uh, Rooney's defense, moving back and forth, having them scramble. Eventually Lesage had the line break and then, the uh, the crazy kind of like over the head offload to uh, Mirez for the try. Yeah, um, Higgins too. Like we talked about. Uh, that's, uh, sorry, when you were talking about his his line break, that was the one I thought you were talking about. Oh yeah, no. Stuff. So like, you know, okay, so every like, yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. It's like there's so many like there's so many highlights in this game. It's like um, Ben Lesage, I thought was amazing. Um, yeah, in this game, like this might be his best game, probably his best game in an arrows jersey. I'm finding, like, you know, I, I'm thinking, like, I'm going back to to my my like real focus into Canadian rugby really started with the repechage in 2018. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. for the World Cup, and Ben came off the bench in the first game against Kenya and really kind of took that 13 jersey for the rest of the tournament, and. He played really, really well, but I, I, I visualized to Ben back in that tournament and just how much bulk he's put on and it has not taken anything away. Even like, even I, like I look back at like a game last year and it's like, he has really opened up of offensively. Oh yeah. 
and, and, and he's just he's just added another kind of like danger to him like you know he had root some really really nice passes like like him to dan moore a couple times putting him away um but like he's just so much more of a threat and and these last two games have really shown that he has been playing out of his mind and you know, we talk about how like Lucas Romball is like too good for the arrows <laughs> and like MLR. And we've, you know, he, he's another uh, game uh, team of the week honors. And I, I, and I think it's the same for Lesage. And we had DTH Vandermeer for, on the show that, and he said that he said that Ben Lesage is too good for major league rugby. Like he <laughs> deserves a yeah, contract I'm- in Europe and like, after watching uh, Ben these last couple of weeks, I got to agree with him. Like he looks good. Yeah, I mean like, that's only gonna uh, that only bodes well for for Rugby Canada. But like, holy moly! Oh man, yeah, no. Like, I mean, we are talking about a guy too. Is like he made the the World Cup squad as an amateur too, right? Like, like without yeah. even having having pro games under his belt, he was on the World Cup squad and stuff. Um, and you know, just out of like UBC, um, mm-hmm. and. You know, I think like looking at this game too, like we can talk about him with like the ball in hand and stuff, the line breaks, the offloads, um, even like on that mine, the first, was it uh Tukle? The first try, Tukle? Tukle had the first try, right? Yep. Um, and it was like, they kind of, he kind of ran that line alongside Tukle that just sucked in the two Rooney defenders, which opened up the gap for Tukle to just go through, right? And that's you know, part of what makes him so good too is because it's the stuff he does away from the ball. But even on defense, like he he may he had seven tackles. He had a breakdown steal in this game too. Um, this is like he's got a couple breakdowns. He's got a few breakdown steals on the year too. Um, he had that that amazing one where he literally just took, didn't even tackle George Barton last week. Just took the ball out of his hand. Oh, just stripped it from him. Yeah, yeah. just like clean. Like didn't even bother to hit him. It's just like give me the yeah. ball and turn up field again. And you know, and he, he was doing that again this week. Um, yeah, just just unreal. But it was like, yeah, like the line the line breaks to like set up Mirez try the the massive line break off the restart following Montero's third try, right? And he, uh, it, you know, this fun. It's actually kind of funny. Remember how last week everyone was kind of circulating the uh, the video with um when he hit Sema and then helped like like oh yeah like a really good just, hit too like strong that probably hit, yeah. hurt. And he like helps Seema up after, and it's all like, you know, and everyone's like that video kind of circulated being like, you know, like how polite like Ben Lesage is and how like that's like the meaning of rugby. I was uh and everything, which is true. Um, but like, did you see how on that try? So like Lesage kind of like Foden, fair play to him, man. That was a good tackle to stop Lesage from scoring initially. Yeah. Right. So Lesage kind of runs over Foden. Higgins just picks up the ball and scores. And then instead of celebrating with Higgins, Lesage helps Foden get back up. Yeah. Or whatever. So it's, it's just like, the, yeah. the ultimate he he's yeah. just the ultimate definition of class. Like he just he just is. Um what I think we can go on and on and on about about that yeah, game. We, what, well, what, I mean, yeah, we have an arrows podcast. Our whole thing is going. Yeah, on exactly. But but what about what needed improving? And I, I want to talk about about one thing that I felt like really needed work. And we talked about it in our our chat. And it was the line out in the first half. Yeah, it was not great. Yeah, and well, I, it goes back to something that we got excited about at the beginning of the season, and then it was kind of a problem last year. Near the end of the season, teams were starting to figure out the arrows line out and especially in that Glendale game, it was a big problem because really they had two, they had three targets, but really it was just two. It was Rome ball and Della Vega. 
they didn't really have they don't really have a jumping lock like i think what Cellini oh. had well, like that's, one, that's, what, that's what adrian wadden is and that's exactly like, so that's what he was excited about right like that's what we were excited about having one on the team because he was uh, and i mean you know a much better option I, I really noticed it in 2019 like malazzo was one of the best guys in the league at just getting lineout steals despite the, yes despite the fact that he's like six one and not your typical like the guy you want going up in the lineup sure. but uh, I'm, um, like yeah, 2019 the arrows made it work. But my my point is is that I really noticed it in the first half when it was Shepard and Cellini as a locks. Yeah, and uh, it's as big of, of a jumping option. And then you again you have to rely on on sometimes Diana, Rumble, Della Vega. Um, but you know, a part of the thing the lineup got better with with Quatron also coming in and throwing the ball too. Um, maybe it's just more experience with uh, MLR competition and, and the team's a little bit more familiar about how he how he throws the ball as well, but I think that if I'm going to look at one thing and say needs improving, it was definitely the line out, especially in the first half. It's got to get better. Um, you know, you're gonna start playing teams. You know, next we've got Nola and Kyle Bailey is a is a line out hawk. He did that a lot in uh, in this in the Nola game against the Rugby ATL. He, I was watching the game this morning. He was making a lot of. Um, a lot of hard throw-ins from his team look easy. So Adrian Wadden solved that a lot by being another option. And um, in the lineup right now, or, is that out of the lineup right now? So, or wasn't in the lineup against. Rudy. I, I'm, I'm curious to see if um, uh, Mason Fleisch, um maybe they're still a little concerned about how much time he can play with his age, but I liked what I saw of him out of the starting. Yeah. I thought, I thought Seattle. I thought he was good against Rooney too. It was just, you know, yeah. The so I, I don't know. That, he that, just that... didn't start. Um, I like. I mean, I thought Shepard. Shepard and Cellini both played well. They just bring a different skill set. Obviously, Shepard. Exactly, and it's, it's big something play that I, of the game was the charge down try, and then yeah, for sure that started another argument about whether or not the MLR should have TMO. And, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They, that was uh. Well, there was that a also in that game, and then also, I don't know if it was the LA game. There's another game where where a couple. There's, I feel like there's, there's, there's a free, like there's in, enough instances. I mean, I, I still th- think it's probably just a financial thing, but even For like sure. Derek Summers was kind of like when he went to, when the, when Shepard had his charge down and then um, him and McManus kind of were racing and scrambling for the ball. And you can definitely tell like the ball's hitting bodies because as it's moving back into the in goal area and then, yeah, um, it's, but it's like, I mean, that's that it's a tough spot like even summers like i even summers i think said who's like if i could i would i can't look at it again yeah but like i think i saw shepherd ground that so i'm giving it a try and you know it is what it is i mean summers doesn't have the benefit of watching that on replay slow motion multiple angles Mm -hmm. so he's got to call what he sees and that's what he saw i mean maybe i'm not maybe i'm complaining about it less because it went in the arrow's favor but and also like at the grand scheme of things, that's one one try that you, you would have taken away from from Toronto, and they still would have won. Yeah. You can talk about momentum, you know, however much you want, but in the end of the day, um, it didn't change the the, the outcome. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that. Like going back to my point, I'm not saying that Shepard and Cellini they both had really strong. Oh, I really liked what I saw from from both the guys. It's just yeah. if that's the lineup you're going with. If you want to have Shepard and Cellini in your lineup until Wadden's back, or even if Wadden's back and you want Wadden on the bench, 
it's just something that you're going to have to be aware of and cognizant of because near the end of the season last year, like again, like I mentioned with Colorado and they had problems with Atlanta uh, in 2020 with the line out. Mm-hmm. It's just another thing you have to, you have to take in consideration. You've got less options, so you might need to get more creative or more accurate. I don't know so, that, that that's my, you know, my nitpick of a, of a, yeah. uh, well, 50, I agree. I, mean, I, thought, point win. I agree. I think it was like, it's a, like, like you said, I mean, when you win by plus 40 and score seven tries over 50 points, like, as you said, you're nitpicking things at this point. Um, I would agree though. I think the biggest, see, here's the thing. It's like looking like statistically, it was like the, the arrows had like 11 lineouts in the game and they only, they lost three of them. So that's 73%, which obviously 73% is not a great number. But if you actually kind of look at the way the game went, all three of those lineouts came like in a row early in the first half um, or like midway through the first half um, where it was just like, you know, an untidy bad bad throw from McRogers. Then there was another kind of like just I think uh, Savetta kind of disrupted it. Savetta had a, just a straight up outright steal um catching the ball and playing it down yeah. to Manis. Um but also like it's Nick Savetta. Savetta, yeah, Savetta. You gotta bring your line of, game. Yeah. One of New York's or one of uh the US's best locks one can say of all time. Yeah. No, no. So sure. you know it, you know that that it has did play a big role in, in what happened. But but the counter is that Rooney's lineup wasn't that great in this game either. Um which is bad for them because that's their bread and butter. That's um, oh yeah. But I thought the arrows did very well see, on the. That was the one thing. It's like ball. I think the the arrows. I think it was interesting. It's like I know, like I said, it's like those three missed lineouts came like pretty much back to back, and then it settled down for the rest of the game, and it was good for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, when like once it settled down a little bit, um, De La Vega got the ball got targeted a lot more. Um, but I think if you kind of look at it, I thought the arrows just had an interesting lineout tactics throughout the game anyways. Cause like right from the get go, you kind of had the, the early, early on when Rooney got their like lineouts about what, six, seven meters out from the arrows uh, in goal. The, like the arrows weren't contesting lineouts the entire no. game, right? I don't they they did not contest. I don't believe they contested a single lineout through the whole game. Right. Cause it's like, I think, you look at Rooney as good as Rooney is. It's like everyone knows, like if it goes to a lineout, like they're mauling it because they're they're one of the best in the league at doing it. So why wouldn't you do it? That's why I like Dylan Foss. It's like one of the top try scorers in the league is because Rooney uses. He's their just the driver of the bus. Yeah, the Rooney uses the mall and they run over people. I, I will say, um, if if we're talking Dylan Fawcett, I f- forgot how much he likes to kick. And so seeing kick in this game, he, he had like a clearance kick that was actually yeah. like pretty good. I'm like, I forgot about that. And it, it, it just good, gave me a good hearty that. chuckle. Um, But like, I thought it was interesting because it was like the arrows kind of, they would set up, they would just defend them all. And they kind of also had like rum ball kind of positioned off to the side. So every time Fawcett or whoever was back there tried to break off, they just got smoked by rum ball um, mm-hmm. when it came off. So I thought, and I mean, realistically, like, Rooney scored their first try. They had a like the line out mall. It like the arrows were able to stop. The arrows just prepared for the mall. They didn't bother throwing up, putting a guy up. They were actually able to stop the mall. Fawcett peeled off 
and went for you know the line rumble made a really nice tackle on him and i'm sure we can we can talk about how lucas rumble is the greatest player in the history of rugby <laughs> later on um but you know he he makes the tackle and then rooney had to work through the phases a little bit and then you know they eventually you know put it back through the hands and hume scores in the corner but it was like toronto really made them work for that try and then but after that like Rooney's mall did nothing the whole game, right? Like their biggest weapon was completely neutralized by this tactic that the arrows decided to go with. Yeah. And I think, I think another really interesting tactic was the kicking. I mean, you look at the kicking meters for a team that held most of the p- possession in the game, they had almost double the kicking meters. Well, helps when you get the ball back after you kick it. Right? Exactly. And, yeah. and, 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 which um, they I did guess. really well against Seattle last week, too, with uh, Brody's box kicks and stuff. So, yeah. Like, um, it's Mike Petrie, Mike Petrie pointed out, and he's just like, they are tactically kicking into those spaces where Rooney is not, you it's know, not it's not there and they are winning the ball over or forcing them to kick the ball out and getting the possession again. You know, so yeah. it's, it, it was a definite sign that of. That was intent um, from the arrows oh man what try was the, oh, i'm trying to there's so many tries i'm trying to remember what try what try <laughs> was actually scored no that was the uh the montero um try with the crossfield kick was um they put i think it was tukle kicks it into the space right it hits the grass foden, foden is gets it. recovered and lesage like just booked it down the field um foden gets to the ball first picks it up and Lesage is there to just wrap him up. To, and Foden's like, you have no choice. You either just give Lesage the ball and he yeah. pops over and scores, or you at least or you just take the penalty and let your, your defense kind of reset. But then that's when they caught Rooney because all the Rooney guys were coming back and they, they thought that it was gonna be a lineup. Yeah, they yeah, obviously and then Adams kicked it across the across the field to Montero, right? So it was like you use that kick chase too, and you're getting the ball when you're kicking it, you're putting the ball into space. Right, you're putting the back three in this case Ben Foden under a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. right? And then you're you're putting him under a lot of pressure, and that's you're able to get you know either get the turnover, get the steal, or you're drawing penalties on the ensuing breakdown because your your uh, kick chase is the guys that arrived there first, right? So that's, I mean that that's how you like the, the, it's working. Like their tactics are working well. Um, we can even like get into like the the back line too. Just looked like you know some of the stuff. It was like it kind of almost looked like a training drill off some set piece plays sometimes. Where yeah, for just, sure. But it was like they were attacking with like I like said like like there's just every time I feel like every time Brody or Adams gets the ball in their hand, there's like six options for them. Maybe not six. Six might be an exaggeration. But it's like every every time they get the ball in hand, they have options, right? And it's just comes down to their decision making to be like, I'm going to pick the best option to do this right now, and that started creating opening up a whole bunch of holes mm-hmm. um, for for you know Toronto to exploit and Toronto to get all the big line breaks and stuff, and you know looking at the like the stats and stuff over the course of the game here like yeah like toronto had a you know i mean toronto had 11 line breaks to rooney's four or yeah right like they were dissecting the defense 
Um, just, you know, Adams did really well. Brody did really well. Yeah. Um, 61% uh, of, of possession is kind of the telltale of it all. They just, but, but it's not even just, it's not even just that you had possession too, though. You had 63% of the territory. It's not yeah. even that you had the ball. You had the ball, the ball. And you made sure that they did not leave. Yeah, exactly. There were, there were very few times. I think, uh, you know, if we're going to look at guys that were impressed me off in New York, um, it was really their subs, um, Evan Minter and Kyle Sum- uh, Assumption, like oh, they, man, they, they, they made oh, a Andy huge Ellis. impact. Andy Ellis too, which I'm baffled why with with when you have Seattle the next game, why like yeah. um, um, Craig um, American RFC uh, and his and his money. He changed, he changed his thing to Monday morning fly half. He yeah, changed Monday, the Twitter handle. The Twitter handle is all now now reflecting the the brand. The, he got the brand. Yeah. So his Monday morning fly off post. He mentioned about how why did they not start Andy Ellis against the Arrows. Like this is an Eastern Conference matchup. You've got Seattle next week. If if it's a rest thing, rest them against Seattle. Don't rest them against your Eastern Conference rivals, guys. You've got a rivalry, that guys was... that you are close with in in the standings. So unless there was a like an injury, but he played great. So oh yeah, he played he played great. But it's it's it wasn't even Andy Ellis though. It's like that was a completely new look backline. Yeah, like, like Rooney hasn't rolled out. Like this was, this was a. Like Lockley, Lockyer and Nawadi in the centers, right? So that that hasn't been a combination yet this year. Uh, Kakapolavu, Hume, and Foden in your back three. Like the yeah. only guy that was there that started last week in his position, I What's think, was Holland said. Yeah, right? yeah. They mentioned Holland. that at the start of the start of the broadcast. Yeah, right. So that, like, yeah, I don't. I'm not. I'm not too sure why they went with that route. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, though, I mean. It's one of those things too, though, where it's like if Rooney wins this game, we don't even talk about that. Yeah, like that's not even a thing of discussion. Sure. But it's like, but they lost, so now it is. Yeah. Um, I think though, from honestly though, um, I mean, uh, I I do want to talk about Lucas Rumble, but I'll I'll diverge to Rooney for a little bit just so it's not, you know, yeah. Who impressed or- you from before we go into the arrows? Who impressed yeah. you from from Rooney? Dude, I thought Quinn Nawadi was their best player. Yeah, I was going to say, game, you know what? He, I, this I, was his best game where he didn't score a try. And he, he, I honestly thought he looked a lot better in this game than he did last week where he did score a try. I, he, I thought he, he did, had a couple I don't know if that's really because he was playing center and that's because he's, he's a little bit more natural center. in that position. Um, So he, Nawadi had, um, he led Rooney in tackles with 13, um, had the most carries with 11, the most meters made at 104. Four defenders beaten, three offloads. Um, Rooney, I saw Rooney actually tweeted out today a bunch of stats, um, like meters, carries, offloads, tackles, all that stuff. And like Nawadi's like in like the top three on their team in like of the majority of categories. He's playing 80 minutes a game. Um, like you said, like he didn't score a try today, but when he was on the wing, he was scoring tries. And I mean, um, but I mean, like that's I was like, that's that's like he went obviously like you know in playing like twelve like hit like with Lockyer like he went head to head with Parfrey and Lesage and like mm-hmm. we're sitting here being like Lesage got man of the match and was one of the best players Parfrey was uh, you know player of the week the week before too and it's like yeah. he more than held his own in this game like playing against those guys yeah and and you know what he yeah, full credit to to Quinn. Yeah, man, this he, he, he was strong, on a real strong game. I, you know, I have the same answer. I think that he played really well. Again, I mentioned the two guys that came off the bench and made the impact, Minturn and um, Sumption. Yeah. They were 
beasts when they were carrying the ball when, when they were given the opportunity. Um, I mean, I, I think you're going to say rumble, but who impressed you from, uh, from the arrows? Cause I actually have a different answer and I, I don't know if you're going to know who I'm no, going to no, talk about. No, it's completely fair for you to have a different answer than this. Then uh, no, I know. I, I, I don't know if you're going to get who I'm going to talk about. Cause it actually, uh, what I'm, who I'm going to say also has something that I want to talk about because I had someone come after our Twitter account about el- Canadian eligibility. So I want to, I want to, all right, now, now I'm curious because okay. I did not see that. So now I okay, want to know who so, you are. So this guy, T, T McGee 88, when I was talking about um, how, um, and we'll talk about him later, uh, Robbie Povey seems to be the first option fly half. He, he started kind of going off about um, how Rugby Canada and the Arrows and other leaders in Rugby Canada continue to write and support eligible Canadians versus Canadians who have been who have been in developed through the pathway sad to see that the pathway isn't the actual way to represent our nation, our nation. And then he, he talks about Will Kelly totally forgetting about the, the time where Will Kelly was overseas training with an Academy. Wait, so but we'll forget about that, but wait, I want to talk about Ross Brody because I think Ross, Brody, oh, he was, he was unreal again. He was wait, is, he, is he complaining that, that people that are, a, on, I think eligible it's, it's, for Canada are playing well. I'm confused. He's uh, he's basically what he's complaining about is that is that the arrows are giving guys like Taylor Adams a shot. Yeah, I want to win an over MVP, over. So. T- uh, and that's what the point I made. I'm like, yeah. it is not it is not the and I and I want to say this to everyone listening to the show. It is not the Toronto Arrows' main goal to put out players for Rugby Canada. It is one of their focuses. And they are very passionate about that in giving young Canadians an opportunity to play rugby at the highest level in North America. But it, it is not their job. Their job is they want to win a major league rugby shield. So if they've got a guy who is a junior all black played in super rugby, willing to come to Canada, apply his trade, tr- teach our players something new, then yes, they're going to sign him. And he has been amazing this season. He's leading the league in points. You want Taylor? Uh, you want Will Kelly to play? You're gonna take out the leader in points in the league? Are you insane? T. Dot McGee eighty eight. I I love that you you seem to be a very passionate uh, fan of the rugby pathways. It's not going to happen overnight, dude. Like Taylor or Will Kelly has talent up the wazoo. He has shown he he is going to be a fantastic rugby player. He is still young. He's got to learn. He's going to have to fight for that opportunity. The arrows have said time and time again uh, that they are going to give guys who train hard and show that they are ready to play, that they are going to get their opportunities. That is why we are seeing Ross Brody and Jason Higgins play. They are taking those opportunities and they are rolling with them. We love Andrew Ferguson on this podcast. We've had Andrew Ferguson on the show. We support him. Every time he goes on the pitch, he's a great scrum half. Right now, the arrows have two hot hands that they're going to play. And I'm sorry if it doesn't make you feel comfortable that they're not trained in Canada. They're eligible. They are Canadians. They are, they That's all. It's like, yeah, it's, no, it's yeah, like How do you how do you look at how do you look at a guy a guy who's got four tries in Jason Higgins and you look at what how Ross Brody is is managing the games 
that he is and say, I want to take those guys out for, for, for Andrew again. No, it's Andrew. Andrew also like, and I, and I got it. You have, we also have to acknowledge that maybe Andrew got the short end of the stick of having to play behind a rusty arrows team. Oh, like the, that, that's something we also have to acknowledge is like, the yeah, like from half position is not a problem. That's some amazing luxury to have. Yeah. But to this three guy, guys that, you know, are fully international Canadians. No, that's a problem. Hey, man. If you're, if you're eligible, you're Canadian. That doesn't, yeah. I don't, it doesn't, you, doesn't matter. Would you tell you're DTH Canadian. To, to, you know, screw off Gordon McRory. Like we've got so many guys that have made the program better because yeah. You know, I don't. I mean, like, I mean, the all-time Robbie Povey. Robbie Povey is is British. Yeah, the all-time leading try scorer for Canada is not born here. So no, he came here when he was a teenager. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's I. I think. Yeah. Anyways, I. I'm just. I I, I just got frustrated, and I'm. And I'm like, I can't tell you anymore, Team McGee '88. That these guys, if they're going to get their opportunities, they need to. It helps show it. It helps. That's the well, that's the whole argument of uh like that's been happening. It's like the foreign player thing, right? It's like foreign players help the overall development of everybody, right? You have guys on your team that are training. Like, I mean, like, yo, like how psyched are we to have like like uh Michael Smith is a flanker on the same team with Luke uh, with um Rob Shaw. Yeah. Right? Like you know what I mean? Like, like you don't think he like he's gonna learn a lot. Like, look how good he played in just two minutes this week, too. Like, yeah, you don't think he's gonna learn a lot from Rob Shaw on San Diego. It's gonna be a yeah. um, you know, but like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think I think right now, like you look at the, the arrows roster, I mean, the way Adams is playing, it's you know, might be a challenge for for Kelly to get in, but that doesn't mean Kelly's not learning and developing and working and stuff. Um and we and like of well, course if we have the uh, like the, the ability to loan him somewhere or you know keep him keep him all keep him all kill go win the shield that's how you're gonna win. I think that's the thing I know the depth is, is going to play a big role in it but like yeah, no, you I, I want Will Kelly to play is what I'm saying I want ah, I mean for his development I want him to play but at the same time everyone's being in an environment that's winning winning helps. what's what's better yeah what's better for for a player being in an environment that's winning and seeing guys like Tuchelette and Montero and Adams and then you also have guys like Patrick Parfrey mm-hmm. so so yeah huge influence well, on, it's on not and it's like we you know like the, the arrows are one of the more like domestic teams in the league as yeah far, like for sure they have like like the vast majority vast vast majority of the team is Canadian right um it's it's just you know there's a couple guys that come in for the reinforcements and like, those are, those are guys that you, that you need to make the run at the shield and stuff. Right. Um, and at the end of the day, Canada just does not have the fly hat depth. We've never had it. Like, no, your yeah, threes, that's, that's your the, threes was like the first like Canadian bred fly half that really made any waves anywhere. Other than, other than that, most of our fly okay, halves have okay. been, you know, I think, yeah. Like I, I think you know flat fly half will be interesting um when it comes to like the selection and stuff. I mean, I think obviously, you know, Povey's playing well. He had a hat trick um this week, but you know, I think Povey's playing like Kelly's gonna be there too. And I mean Kelly's played well in the games that he's got in this yeah. season too. Um he's I think he's still I think he's still a hundred percent for kicks. <laughs> um so I mean that's yeah. obviously a good thing. 
Um, but yeah, like I mean, anyways, I I, I got onto a tangent. You got uh, onto Ross, a big tangent Ross, there, yeah, Ross Brody. You were just you were upset that he, that Ross Brody, this guy, didn't like Ross Brody because he's yeah. Because look South at Africa. look at how look look at his his kicking ability. Look at his 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 tackling ability is fantastic. Look at his his decision making. Like I, I remember distinctly, there was a line out where like it just was all hell, and Brody was able to regather the ball after it was tips like a couple meters back and bring it in and actually make a gain in 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 possession like it it he is he has been a uh, a fantastic revolution revelation for the arrows and like it or not um twitter bot dude i i have no idea who you are it's going he's going to be playing for canada he in be. some some fashion oh, he unless he gets hurt or has been deemed ineligible somehow. or you know I mean, Will Priscilla is playing pretty damn good too. So, um, scrum half, scrum half might be tough. Um, I think, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think the arrows do an unreal job developing the Canadian talent and stuff. And it's just, you know, just cause you're not from here initially doesn't mean you're not Canadian. It's all, you know, that's, that's kind of the beautiful thing about this country. Right. Um, so yeah, Brody, Brody's playing amazing. Higgins playing amazing too. Um, I think the guy that impressed me the most again, like, you know, Lucas Rumble is the best player in the league, right? Like, is that a firm statement now that we can just constantly say? Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. The best player in the league. He had another three breakdown steals. I think he's up to like 16 on the year. Like there's only like, there, I think there's only like seven guys that have more than three breakdown steals all season. He had three breakdown steals in the game. Um, and it's, you know, he's playing. Yeah. He's just, like there's no like nobody I don't think that like like I'm like I don't think if we if there is a guy in the league that can hang with Lucas Rumble at the breakdown we have not found him yet um he might maybe maybe pops up later later down the road in the season but um like Rumble's been amazing and I think like the oh my god like the arrows back row is I again like if Rumble's I think Rumble's the best player in the league. The Arrows back row is the best back row in the league by like probably by like a decent margin too. I think they kind of show that against Rooney because they like lit up. Like you look at it, it's like Della Vega, Rumble, Diana, all top three in tackles. They made a combined um 33 tackles on a combined 34 attempts. I'm not gonna single out the guy that missed his tackle, but whatever. Um, you know, when you go 33 for 34, I can, we can let it slide. Um, but like they have that Manuel Diana, just like 131 meters too, with the ball in hand in this game, right? Della Vega and Diana both had the two most carries on the team. And obviously Diana, like I said, 131 meters gained, um, like it's an immense total, um, they hit like they're at like every single ruck, every single breakdown. Rumball stealing balls. If Rumball steals the ball, he gives it to Diana and he gains 20 meters immediately. Um, Della Vega's taking like you know the line out takes. It's like they're just putting putting on just an absolute clinic right now. Um, I like the, the like yeah the arrows backline just playing out of their minds, man. Like and like. I I don't know how you stop that. I don't know. I don't like. I don't know if a team can figure out a way to stop that. Like, 
like yeah rum rum balls lead on the breakdown steel category is like genuinely laughable yeah like the amount i think i think you have to have like combine like the totals of the guy in second third and fourth to catch rum ball right now um like it's like it's just he's just playing like he's playing out of his mind um and so so are Della vega and diana too and like even like i want to even say like you're sitting there being like um you know, took like you know, Cellini had an unreal game. He um with just like how his work rate was just immense. Um, so was Cole Keith. Cole Keith was at a lot of rucks too, but it's just like the back. Like it's just every time Rumball's there, it's the the yeah, turnover. And they're, and they're really starting to figure out. Like if we're talking with the forwards, they're really starting to figure out the scrum as well, which has been yes. And they brought they so great. that was a I guess another thing that we were talking about earlier with like the slight lineout tactic change too. They went with instead of going to lineouts again this week off penalties, they were opting for scrums and kicking for points too. And I don't know if that was just part of that strategy to be like avoid Rooney's lineout a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Or make Rooney go to the game. But it was like, yeah, like they won the scrum, they won some penalties on plays. Um, and you know, they won a scrum against the feed that set up a try immediately. And that was with the reserve guys in too, right? Like that was line out. Why not Quatrain and Cortez that won that one? Um, and then it, it's it's kind of it seems like yeah, like if they, if they get that scrum going again, or if they, you know, I think I think the new laws were an adjustment for a lot of the teams in the league. But I think like you know, like any new new law that gets introduced in any sport, um, you give the coaching staff and the players time to figure it out. They'll figure it, and out. they'll they'll figure it out. They'll figure for out sure. how to make it work, how to take advantage of it. Um, how to play within it and stuff. It's just, it takes, it takes, it takes time. It takes time. Um, even I th- think I saw even uh, Jamie McIntosh in Austin still tried to call for a scrum after the second. <laughs> um, Big well, he brought up a good point because they got the, they want a penalty on a Seattle scrum. Um, yeah. But that I digress. That's, you know, we've, we feel like we've beaten that one to a, uh, keep beating dead horse on that one. But um, it's, yeah, like the, the man, I don't know if the back row keeps ticking like this, where it's like just turnover, turnover, turnover. Um, and let's let and like look at look at some of the guys that they've got. You know, you've got Shepard who can who can slot into the back row, and then you also have Wainwright who, who's been Wayne coming Wright, off the bench yeah. the last couple of weeks and he's been playing, he's he's been playing well coming off the bench. And, you know, we also have uh, uh, Vicky Lonnie who's who's yeah. uh, I, I think should be coming back pretty soon. Um, he's, he's gay. So, so, you know, you've got, yeah, with you've got guys that are, are, are hungry and they are, you know, ready to prove themselves. So, you know, with they, they, they got to play well. Cause they got guys that are saying, we are putting our hands up to, to play. We want sure. some action with how much like, I don't know. I think and Colby Francis. Much, yeah. And Colby Francis too. Okay. With, with how much, like I guess the Toronto Arrows, some of the Arrow staff, with how excited they seem about Siaki Vikilani, um, that is the one thing I think I'm looking forward to the most this oh, season right now. Yeah, I, is, see I just him. want. I hope he gets healthy soon, and I just I want to see him in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're gonna come off the bench because um, you know again Lucas Rumball, Thomas De La Vega, Manuel Diana is the current back row. Um, I know, but if you build so, up a little bit of lead in the standings, like if 
the arrows you know ring off a couple I don't think you're gonna get a I don't think you're gonna get a big lead in the standings not that like this year like look at the east right I don't now, know right? I, I'd like to see what you got all right well, well Derek, I, I would like to see it too but I think like obviously I would love to see Vicky Lani and I would love to see the I would love to see the arrows get a big lead I made the bold proclamation on my layman sports write-up that they won't be below 500 again this season um so I mean yeah, that's a bold one. Um, but especially probably a little bold based on like the season. Like, I mean, you look also at their next two next two teams they have to play. Which do I want to talk Nola, I want to talk Nola about? and then who's who's after Nola? Uh rugby ATL. <laughs> ah. That'll be fun. All right, awesome. All right. Well, let's No, how how great. There's um well we'll yeah, I guess we'll get into some good vibes coming from uh Life University and Lupo Family Field, though, eh? Like the two uh the two ATL based teams right now, top of the Eastern Doing Conference. Pretty well. Yeah, it's it's the home cooking there. But how how crazy is it though? Like looking at the East, that the two like a three a five hundred team is at the top of the East. There's a the only team that's above five hundred is Rooney, and they're third, um, <laughs> because they're three and two. Tied. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like like it's so weird. And then you look at the West, and the West is like. Playoff spot and might already be locked up yeah. in the West. The, the Guillotines and the Gilgronies are looking sharp, and it's a battle for that third spot. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's, uh, but it's like even, even like this game, like, like even this week, like, yeah, DC beat New England, like Atlanta beat Nola. Um, like every, it just seems like Toronto beat Rooney, right? It causes like all this. It's like every, it just seems like everybody's just kind of, it's gonna honestly, it's like I think the East, the East is, like is gonna look like what the 2019 playoff picture looked oh, like. That, that was be scary. Yeah, that you was crazy. You can't I, like the East. Like you can't take a week off. Like if you take That's a fair. week off, like that could be you could be missing out on the playoffs if you do that. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about one of those Eastern matchups quickly. Um, at, uh, Rugby ATL beat Nola uh, thirty-eight twenty-eight. Um, I thought Matt Heaton had a really strong game. Um, great seeing him pull off some of those line at, uh, uh, offloads and stuff like that, and playing a little bit more. Normally, you don't see him kind of. Uh, drift out to the wings like you know that that seems to be a, a very stereotypical loose forward um uh play in, in in some of these set pieces or or just kind of in broken play now in rugby um you never really saw matt heaton do it a lot and i i or at least i've haven't noticed it um i really noticed it in this game um and and he was making some some sweet plays i mentioned it earlier kyle bailey was 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 a um a hawk in the line out and he had some strong carries um i think i prefer him it, you know, at the lock position, I think that's his strongest position, and Nola really benefited from that. Eric Howard came on off the bench. Was all right, serviceable. You know, Paddle Tool had a strong game, so it's you know to come on to try to compare to that. It was it was tough. It was right. Um, and then Connor Keys, dude, I I honestly don't even remember what Connor Keys's game was like. I don't know if that's a, a good thing or a bad thing. That's you know? probably not the greatest thing if you don't remember. Um, the but difference it, between quiet and not remembering. Right? Yeah, um, it was a, it was a it was a fun game to watch. Uh, off the offense was crazy. The defense was lackadaisical at points. Um, but I kind of prefer that type of rugby. It's just fun to watch. Do you wanna do you want Connor Keys's stat line? Sure, give right. it to me. Looking at it, so ten minutes played, he made four tackles, and had one attacking ruck arrival. There you go. The rest is his four tackles for a hundred percent though. There you go. But then the uh the rest of his stat line is just uh zeros across the yeah, board. so um pretty quiet. Pretty um, quiet. Which but, I mean ten minutes, like well, that's the thing. The the game, you're think, winning. Like 
Heat Heaton, I thought was amazing in this game. He had 17 tackles at 100. Oh my god! Um, yeah, seven, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's good, man. Um, you know, a lot like good work rate. You know, a lot of a uh, lot of ruck arrivals on both sides of the ball. Um, oh, like man, I'm looking at like Connor Keys. Like, I don't think if I'm Scott Lawrence, like I I don't think Connor Keys is your like like I, I I'm finding it hard to be like with. Marno Reda Lingheis and Johan Momsen. Momsen. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think, why, I think Connor is. Why do you start Connor Keys? Yeah. But you know what? Like, I think it's one of those good situations for Connor. Learn from those guys. And, and yeah. you know, who know who knows how long those guys are going to be there for, you know, well, uh, for this year, anyways. But, um, like, Momsen and Reda Lingheis were outstanding in this game. Dude, they are, especially like Reda Lingheis, man. Like, this was one of those, like, really physical, like, really physical especially like in the rucks and the breakdown games like yeah red has like looks like he's one of those dudes that just loves like hitting people um just loves that physical reminds me you know another you know south african but snyman yeah from from the the spring box and you know i mean monster yeah so he's got that good work rate he hits breakdowns he's he looks he's mean like he does not make life fun um i think i think it was Oh, it was the reserve, the reserve fullback, I think it was, um, where he kind of like it had a little little bit of a post ruck altercation that, you know, amounted to nothing in the eyes of the ref. But it was still kind of like, that's not fun to play against even. No. Um, but yeah. And then like Momsen was a monster, too. And yeah, like I'm just like, man, like the, it's weird because being like the outlook for like Connor Keys is probably like. Like you're, he's probably gonna find it a little difficult to get into that. And, and you know, when he started, he's played well. well. You know, well, I don't necessarily think, well in his start. It's just, I don't necessarily think he's playing bad. Like you said, he was quiet in this game when he came on. But like, I just think it's like Momsen and Red Lingheis are playing so well. Yeah, you like can't, why would you? You can't. Same thing. Same thing. You know, let's, we talked with Eros backline. You know they play yeah. so well. Why take? Well, them yeah, off? that's the thing though too. Like, yeah, do you change? You can't change that right now. Like no. it is like you're putting up seven tries a night, scoring fifty plus points. Like, yeah. th- this is your lineup. It's locked in for right sure. Now. Like, um, same okay. same with ATL. Like, if you're winning, like I just, um, Adrian Carl say too. Got I think you got to touch on him. He was outstanding. From yeah, uh, player yeah. player of the week. Yeah, for sure. He was just absolutely zooming. Like you yeah. know, dog dog in the dog park zooming. Like he I was, uh, his, he's enjoying himself there. Yeah, his I think his biggest highlight. I mean, he had the good kicking game. His runs were really good. His defense is good too. I think that the one big highlight. I think um, the uh, Nola. I can't remember who it was, but I think they charged down a kick, and the ball ended up back in the in goal area. And instead of just like kicking it away or doing some sort of like panic move or whatever, but like I'm not even sure if this is the best decision, but hey, it worked. Um, he just he ran it out of the in goal area and gained like sixty meters. Yeah, uh, there's a little, he put in a little chip uh, chip and chase kick too, but it was like, you know, just yeah, he just decided to like, and, you know, the it. chip and chase was was Nola's um, uh, kind of in that really. game, uh, you know. So so maybe the arrows can uh, take advantage of that. Yeah, R- Rory Van Rory Van Voot, um, kind of. Yeah, Rory Van Vuk uh, had a nice little chip and chase. I yeah. think like a try of the week too, or whatever. For sure, I think Nola. Um, I think that's something that's like with the arrows playing Nola next week. I think that was something rugby ATL did a really good job 
against Nola on was what the exact thing that we were saying Toronto did a really good job against Rooney this week was kicking the ball. Yeah, they don't have the most mobile back line. Like you look at Meyer and uh, Dominguez and I forget who's on the other wing. Um, Jojo. Jojo. Oh yeah, Jojo. Like they're not, they're, they're, they're all huge men, but they're not the most like mobile. And I think that that rugby ATL took advantage of that. Yeah, um, it's uh, yeah, it it's uh, like yeah, I think, I think with, yeah, I think with rugby ATL, it's like I think like that might be something like if the arrows can do that again, um, like they Atlanta might have shown you like a little bit of a, a blueprint of how to beat blueprint them. there, yeah, and same okay. man, I don't know if it's like Toronto plays rugby ATL again in two weeks, which is kind of funny that it's like that quick, but like. Mm-hmm. Dude, that that could be uh, that could be fun because it's like um, like ATL's been kind of like a bit of a nasty team to play against. They've been making a lot of tackles. They have. Um, I was kind of looking at it. The the most tackles made, like a team tackles made in the game right now, it's like at Le- rugby ATL is four of like the top seven. Um. So right. and like they've have the most tackles in like I think three of the six weeks or something like that too. Um, uh, they're making, but it's like, like even like this week, like they made a hundred and a hundred sixty nine tackles, but they were at ninety percent. Yeah. So it's like you're making all those tackles, and you're they they only missed twelve with over over a, nearly one hundred seventy tackles, only missing twelve. Right. So it's like, but they're another team though that's like they're winning games without having the ball very often. Like they're winning. And how games. sustainable is that? That that's my real question. Is how. How many times can you get away with playing that type of strategy? Ask LA because they're winning games too, doing the same without uh, having the ball that yeah. often. Well, I think I think it, when it comes to them, they also have like that another level of skill compared to the rest of the West. Oh yeah, for sure. Anyway, speaking all right. Well, let's LA, yeah. Indiana. Speaking of LA, let's talk about them quickly. Uh, let's let's kind of blow through some of these. LA had another strong game. Oh yeah. I think a lot of this also is San Diego is just not San Diego anymore. You know, they're they're not. You you kind of hit the nail on the head before the season. Like they're missing a lot of guys, they're missing Duplessis, and, and you know Peterson hasn't been there really at, at all. Um, and I and you know what else they miss? I think they miss um, Burton, Luke Burton, that's now on LA. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's another guy. Yeah. But like you know he he was playing fly half for them, and he played really well for San Diego. So. As much as I I love I want to give LA credit because they played really well and and DTH was amazing okay. you know he had two two great tries but I think uh, you know there were a, a lot of plays that he helped set up yeah and he's just he's just such a strong runner and and I love watching him play yeah there was I think that one play the put uh Podoyvin's try where they kind of had they had the set piece mm-hmm. and. Like I think it's like five LA backs, like or it was like um like Cardi Burton, um Cardi Burton back inside to like DTH, and then he offloaded to like um Padoivin or whatever, and it was like that play was like so quick, and like not a single Giltini got hit or whatever because sure. the ball was gone by the time the San Diego defense got up to them. And that's just that's just yeah. precise execution and knowing exactly. where you need to be. Like it, it, it looks like it looks like a training run half the time. Yeah. Um and then like you had that that one play off the scrum too where um Goddard kind of ran one way and then twisted around and threw it back behind him <laughs> to Cardi and I could like 
I can't remember who it was on San Diego, but it's like, you kind of like, you could almost see him when the pass happens, just being like, well, I'm done. <laughs> this is, it's a three on one. What do you want? Me, three on one to the side of a scrum. What do you want me to do here? Like, yeah. I'm, this is a try. We, you know, we mentioned Michael Smith as well. He had, he had a really great, great uh, impact off the bench. Dude, um, play him, play him more than two minutes. Yeah. What Curry, Curry Hitchborn was like free, free Michael Smith. <laughs> And uh, Dude, so the feels was t- tweeting about it. So you know, uh, we want to see more of him. Give him more. Give him yeah, more time. So Michael Smith, he was in the lineup last week, but didn't play. He got zero minutes. This week he comes in in the 78th minute. Literally has his first pro breakdown steal. I think like. I mean, I don't know what the official time is for when he actually comes on the pitch, but from the time he actually gets to the lineup on screen, it looks like about eight seconds before he has his first breakdown steal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he comes out of the breakdown to play scrum half at the next ruck, um, hits the next ruck after that. That's where uh, San Diego got drew a penalty on that one. Then he has a nine meter carry, hits another ruck after that. Um, all in just two minutes. Yeah. Um, he was like, yeah. And it, he just went like Tasmanian devil for two minutes. Yeah. You know, uh, they, they, they got, they got, uh, uh, Viramalua at six. Sam Wuchin, who's having an amazing season at seven mm-hmm. and, uh, Tom Alau, who's their, their captain at eight. Oh man. I'm not saying, I'm not saying San Diego doesn't have good backs. I'm just saying play him more than two minutes a night. Yeah, man. exactly. Well, you know, like putting him, starting him is kind of hard when like, Dude, he tore it up, man. He tore it. Yeah, exactly. Make him make him an, a real impact sub. Show, give him a chance to show him what he's got. So yeah, you know, he it, it was a fun game to watch. It was great to see uh, fans in the in the stands at the Coliseum. Uh, from the sounds of it, it sounds like everyone had a good time. Couple, so couple celebrities showed up. So. Yeah, um, and the Pussycat Doll Lady. Yeah, no, it was, it was <laughs> great. Um, okay, um, I can tell Dan you're up on all your pop culture news. There you go. Um, Utah versus uh, Houston. The thing really that we got to talk about is, is uh, Robbie Povey. He has been on fire for Houston. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think we got to talk about him quickly because I, I tweeted about it and I mentioned earlier that Robbie Povey, I, in my opinion, someone responded to you and you got very, yeah, exactly. Um, he, he should be the starting fly half. Should uh, he I know. Listen, I, I know that I know that um, that they've given Sam Windsor the kicking duties, but I think we well, need Ken to look back. I can kick, but yeah, I, I I'm saying that Robbie Povey has that 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 strong kicking ability. Oh, you think he should be starting fly half for Houston or for Canada? For Canada. Oh, mm. who, who else are we going to put? We're going to you know Shane O'Leary, who's who had a pretty good time, a pretty good a pretty good season over in the Pro D two. Yeah, I think. You give it there. Will Kelly, I think, is there too. I think, like you, I think, like you kind of touched on. I think Will, Will Kelly's only like it's. I mean, Taylor Adams is amazing. Um, Sam Malcolm was amazing. Um, and you know, what I mean, so it's like there's, but I think, but like I, I think like, we don't have Will like Kelly, unless they unless they do line up those those further test matches. Like, are yeah. we going to give Will Kelly the fly half position sure. for for the qualifiers, the World Cup qualifiers against the U.S. You might have to. Why not? I, I think I'm gonna what? I'm gonna trust someone who's got a little bit more experience internationally what? and hopefully he's got like first. four caps. Yeah, that's that's three that's, more than Will Kelly that's does. Not a lot, I mean, though. That's still more. It's not a lot. I don't I think 
I think I think you get I think that's gonna be the one where it's like I think I think Povey and Kelly are just kind of in different situations with their MLR team. Um but I think that's gonna be one that's like that's gonna be a get settled at camp. Um and then right figure For sure. I uh, just fly half there, but I, I don't see why I couldn't I'm not I don't like I don't know. I'm not when was the last time we had a and again this is a very very small sample size this is a very the two games i'm, I'm kind of going off of so robbie povey could prove me very wrong by having an absolute dead duck of of the rest of the season but if you look at the last two games who is the last 10 that really gave us kind of those that the offensive threat for canada oh like Gordon McRory, it's been Gordon McRory, it's been Shane O'Leary, and it's been Peter Nelson the last Peter couple years. Hariyama, if you go back far enough. Hariyama, um, uh, you know, like I, I, no, like I mean, I think, I think right now, fly half is like the biggest like issue, and I'm the sure someone, question someone's mark. someone's totally gonna text like tweet at us with like you know a Pacific Pride name. Or something that we're neglecting to mention. Maybe, um, maybe Brock Webster, when he's done with the Olympics, throws throws the the jersey on and and wows us. Maybe there's, there's yeah you know, there's, like I actually don't know when the, I don't know when the qualifiers are when the Olympics are. They might the Olympics are in July. The qualifiers are, I think are going to be in September or something. Okay, so then we should be fine. But you know, uh, but long way ahead. I just want people to keep Povey in mind because you know. Oh, I, think, I think you have to keep him in mind. I just, I just, I'm not ready to christen him the 10 yet. All right. That's he got, I mean, it like just because he's scoring tries in games that Houston's losing too, by the way, like they're, <sighs> you gotta go with, you gotta go with some, some, some game. Utah like, was on Utah's offense that Mika Cruze, Mikey Teow combination is deadly and and <laughs> you we've had we had some people complaining about the about the the commentators of that game but man but even that though it's like it was it was a show to watch and i i was excited by the excitement that they were oozing it was it was a fun little uh match to watch yeah who played better though uh povey or uh hagen schulte Overall, like, I, I don't think Hagen Schulte had. I don't think Hagen Schulte had. I don't think this was his best game. I think that he's had a better season, but I don't think this was Schulte's best game. I think that there were other guys in Utah that really stood oh, the drink. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of those games, though, where like the coaches are just like, "We're never watching this game film again." <laughs> <laughs> we just like, yeah, there's defense did not exist in that game. Yeah, um, it's just kind of fun to watch, but. Um, I'm sure both coaches will be like, like I mean, even if you're Utah, it's probably, Utah is probably not thrilled about allowing 43 points. And I think like Utah's decision making at the end of the game was bizarre too. Mm-hmm. Just like like when the ball went into touch, and it was like they took a quick line out with a minute left when you're up by yeah. seven. Like why did? And then Teo kicks it to Houston. Like that, yeah, giving them another chance. Giving them that, like was... why are you giving a, them another shot to tie the game? I don't get that. Like I don't, yeah. Like even like that, it's like milk the line out. Like why? Why are you taking a quick line out up by seven with a minute left in the game? For sure. Um, I don't know. That was okay. kind of weird. It worked out for them. They still won, but weird. Burn the tape after that game. Fun offense, defense did not exist. 
Defense. Okay, um, defense didn't exist in a lot of these games. Yeah, we're not really going to talk a whole lot about the the, the DC. We're not going to really talk about the DC no, we'll, England game we'll a lot. I mean, Josh Larson had another strong game playing at six. Um, I I am really enjoying seeing Josh Larson do his thing as, as the captain. We saw a little bit about it, a little bit of it in 2020, but 2021, it just seems like he's just a grizzled vet going into work every day. You know, when, when people talk about Canadian rugby, you know, I, I remember um, Chris Silverthorne, you know, being interviewed about what type of style that, that the arrows were going to play. It's a hard hat style rugby. You know, we're going to take our work in, we're going to work hard. We're going to get into the dirty areas and we're going to, you know, you know, la 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 do all the right things. I when I hear that, I think of Josh Larson this year. He's just been putting in the work. You know, he's got a couple of yellow cards here and there, but he's just done, I think, pretty well. And also, my my boy Dougie Fife, my my rugby twenty uh, custom team savior, has also been absolutely put him wherever you put him on the pitch. Uh, you know, a, f- a wing, fullback, center. He's he's scoring fries and making plays. Well, for, uh, they use. That was kind of interesting because it was uh like they used the same play to get both those tries too, mm-hmm. right? Um, which again, it, it it's interesting. Like as the league kind of goes on, I think um, you know, you're starting to see the the holes and the gaps in some teams and stuff, and then yeah. yeah. So, but really, they need to kind of figure things out there. It's really the Bowden Walker and and Dougie Fife show. They need to have somebody else offensively step up. Their pack is, is strong. And you know, they, 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 they uh, do pretty well the set piece, but like open play uh, Harrison Boyle's pretty strong too. Like he's, he's been having a good little season and John Poland's doing his thing, but so other finishers got to step up because it can't be just those two all the time. Um, from, from DC, um, I miss the I miss Fraser and Hearn and and Campbell. Um, seeing Kalinasau in a in a DC jersey is weird. I think that's my first like on another team, and that feels weird moment with MLR. I'm so used to him being in 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 Houston's yellow and black that I'm just like that doesn't look right. That and I think he's I think he's our first kind of like real big name medical joker in MLR. Like I can't think of another guy that like that has been signed to like only like a two week contract that, that has a name like Kalinasau. Like anyways, yeah, yeah. that was weird to see. I'm glad he got a try. Good for him. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe make that contract longer than two weeks. Yeah. Um, and then our last, our last game, um, Austin versus Seattle. Um, man, I, I tell you, Derek, that first half, I really thought I was going to, I was looking good with my Seattle pick. Oh man. I thought that, that I, I, I just thought to myself, maybe these lineup changes worked, you know, like, yeah, they had a couple of uh, chances where they didn't capitalize, but this is Austin. Like they're, they're a strong defense. Maybe in the second half, they'll get it back. And I'm like, Oh, that um, Ross Neal tried. That is the Ross Neal that they, they paid for, you know, like I think that he, he looked great on the wing, uh, a dynamic and that, 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 sh- you know, that, that uh, stiff arm was epic. I mean, it was against the, scrum half i believe so you know you could that that's kind of like yeah you're like a giant man with huge arms like that 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 should have happened but it was a great try and i'm like this looks great you know great first half you're down but i think you can come back and just went boosh in the second half which really sucked um i feel for seattle fans i think that out of all the changes i don't know why they changed sears drew and ill nicky i think that they've both been playing 
really well for Seattle, given all of the stuff that, that how badly the team's been playing. And, you know, they played well think, coming off the bench, but like, I think when <sighs> you're, what are they one in four now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think when you're one in four, you're the defending champs. You're the only champs. Um, like, yeah, I, throw like, I don't necessarily think it's indicative. I don't necessarily think it's like indicative of like the way Sears Duru and Il Nikki have been playing much. It's just like what you're doing right now is not working. So like you gotta change, you gotta change it, right? Like you For gotta sure. try something, maybe some like at this point too, like you just gotta throw you know, throw something at a wall and see what sticks, sticks, right? And like I think yeah. I think even that, I mean, we can you know, like Austin, Austin played really well too. Austin, um, Austin, I think is one of my favorite teams to watch. Yeah, I think, like it, the, goes, yeah, I think it goes, it goes arrows, Gil Gronies. That you know, the stuff that they do on on like the commitment they have on both sides of the ball is really fun to. Yeah, they're a fun team, and I mean, like Isaac Ross playing through whatever he's playing through. Yeah, poor guy. Uh, that was, the, but it's like, man, like that's Deshavis. Deshavis get better, dude. <laughs> man, like, but even in that too, too, it's like, um, I thought like. Macintosh, Ross, and Halai all in the lineup in that game, and they were all really good. And it's just like, oh, right. And like everyone talks about like all the wallabies on the Giltinis and like you know, the, yeah, there's a little bit of New the Zealand. Gilgronies are just sitting here with like, yeah, we got three all blacks guys yeah. just to let you know. You know what? I actually to be honest with you, I didn't I wasn't super like impressed with Halal. I, I honestly think that you put Roger Rogers in, Cole Davis. Yeah, Osler, you know, when eventually when he's healthy again, I think I saw that he doesn't have his cast on his hand anymore. Oh, no, no. Nice. I think I think I saw them post a video with him not having it on, but I could be wrong. I think that they 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 might be just as serviceable as as Frank. I think he's best suited coming off the bench. That's just my personal opinion. I from what I've seen of him starting, that's kind of. Yeah. I mean, also, Roger Waters and Cole have both have been playing really strong this season, so. I and think uh, like Mooneyham totally living up the hype too. Oh yeah, totally For sure. Like yeah. How did they? How did freaking Austin pull off having Dodson and Mooneyham? Like that's just yeah, I don't know. Sam Sam Harris is playing 4D chess apparently. Like yeah, and uh, we're just yeah exactly. Well, speaking of head coaches, my goodness, Seattle has made some big big, change. big changes. You know, like we kind of talked about, like things weren't aren't weren't and aren't working for for Seattle right now in their yeah. in their 2021 season. Well, so they what, obviously what are they between since they last won like the shield, they're what two and eight? Sounds about right. Yeah. Like oh man. Like that's when like okay, do you know I'm just trying to think of this off the top of my head now. I didn't like I, now that I'm thinking about it, it might have been a fun thing to research. When was the last time if it's ever happened in like North American or elsewhere sports where a team has won a championship and then finished last the next year. Has like that, that ever- might be a good NFL. Like I feel like there's probably an NFL team that did that. Why? Well, like, because it, yeah, I, mean, I don't, I have no much, idea. Yeah. Like maybe um, like an original six air. Like, I don't know, maybe yeah. like the Blackhawks one or something. When a bat yeah. So know. Seattle, Seattle has named, uh, and I, I apologize to get his, his name wrong, but uh, Tula Vuka has been named their interim head coach. Alan Clark is on loan basically uh, from the Dallas Jackals um, who also lost, lost another coach today. Um, 
and then Rory Best, uh, Irish, uh, British and Irish Lions legend, um, one of my favorite players to to watch in the past, you know, decade, is also joining as a technical coach. Um, and, and you know they're not they're not kicking uh, uh, Keys Lansing to the, the curb. He will stay on as the assistant coach and forwards coach. But obviously, management has decided that things aren't working, and they need to move things around. It sounds like from some of the things I've seen that the, the players are pretty excited about um, uh, Tulavuka's uh, appointment. Um, he's been part of the Seattle coaching uh, environment in in the the city and the the uh, franchise for a little bit of time now. So I, I, I'm excited to see if any, any of this makes a difference again, yeah. uh, when it comes to MLR, Seattle was my first love, you know, they had, they had, you know, Phil Mack and um, Ray Barkwell and Nikon Penny and George Barton. You know, they had all these, these Canadians in the first year of MLR. And I, uh, I just want to see them, do well again i mean when you've won two years in a row maybe it's okay to have a sucky year um but may- maybe this changes it I'm, I'm interested to see how you feel about it oh yeah i mean i think you got to do something i mean like you said you got to do something um tule vuka i think you know like he's the the director of rugby so i guess that like it makes sense for him to take over i guess it's interesting though to see Lensing is just he's not like out he's just being dropped to like an assistant coach status yeah um, and i th- i think that just goes with, which is like, also interesting because he's the assistant coach for the forwards and the set piece which you think mm-hmm. would be like rory best bread and butter like for like a something that you would want him to coach um so that's kind of interesting um so like I'm kind of curious how that that dynamic will work with the old coach still there. Um but yeah, like I mean I think this is a thing that's just kind of standard across all sports, right? Like you know, I think if you're an organization where like literally the only thing you've known in your existence is championships, um like we are yet to have a year where the Seattle Seawolves are not the MLR champion. So I think when you're an organization that knows nothing but championships and you're literally last place in the league um, for, I guess, technically in as weird as, you know, the whole COVID cancellation goes, it's like, you know, they're last in the league, I guess, two years in a row now, like they didn't make um, like improvements were not made. The holes were not addressed in the off season. Right. So like you got to do something. Yeah. I think like the coaching change is something that you can do. And I'm sure, I'm sure next week's lineup is going to, or like their, the lineup for their next game is going to look, um, is going to look different. Yeah. At this point, you guys start putting in guys that, yeah, like switch you know, up all the combinations. Obviously, they got some new signings that haven't played yet. So hopefully some of those guys start showing up and yeah. getting into and maybe seeing can- Semu Manoa on, on the field, you know. Again, yeah, he's a he's a he's yeah. a fun player to watch. So yeah, it's gonna be really interesting uh, watching that whole situation. Um, it's all out. Mm-hmm. Speaking of another interesting situation, um, Rugby Canada has provided an update regarding um, the fate of of John Tate. Um, John Tate has submitted his resignation after that third party investigation um, has conducted. Um, 
they have determined that the conduct reference was not behavior that fell within the com the pol the policy definition of harassment or bullying. Now, and the big thing um, at the time, so so rugby Canada's we don't the thing is we don't know when these allegations were, and we don't know, you know, you know we know when the complaint was. What was the complaint? They have. Yeah, like the one, the one um, press release that Rugby Canada put out um, said that Rugby Canada is updating our community following an independent third-party investigation by Win-Win HR Solutions Inc. in response to a complaint received by former and current national. Yes, on, on in January, but I could have like just those finished reading the sentence, but yeah, but like, oh, that's, when, that's when when the, the complaint was filed. But we don't know when the actual events like happened. Right, like this could have happened in 2018, or you it know, could have just it could have been long and drawn out. Exactly, and exactly. So, like, so that's the. I think thing. I think right now, based on what Rugby Canada has put out, we still don't really know a whole lot of information don't. about it. Um, I think with what like it's interesting to see that they were saying it's like they you know how the investigation determined that the conduct was not something that. I guess fell within their their policies on harassment and bullying, but at the same time, the investigation was like, it's probably best to not it's bring him back. Yeah, um, which kind of which is interesting, but that kind of tells me that like something definitely happened here, um, even if we don't know what. Um, and you know, it just yeah, it's it, it is kind of, it's kind of a bizarre. I guess it's a bizarre outcome to both kind of you know, go with, go with like, he shouldn't be the coach anymore because I'm assuming the players would want nothing to do with him being the coach is probably. Yeah. And, and I think reason. the big point is that this is, these were 37. Yeah. It's a national it's a senior team, women's sevens teams. Like that's, that's a, a lot, lot of people. It's not, it's not one or two or a handful. Yeah. And so I, it frustrates me, Derek, that I see that the people are making it sound like these were baseless claims and, and that's just not the case. That's that's not the case, guys. And I, I know that John has been part of Rugby Canada for a long time. He, you know, he himself was uh, a national team player, and um, he is beloved in, in a lot of the rugby circles out west. But at the same time, you need to we need to support our athletes. At the end of the day, we are nothing without our athletes, and. John felt that this this was it. He submitted his resignation. I know that his hands were kind of tied, but he could have toughed it out, seeked uh, you know um, counseling with his players to see if how they could fix the relationship. And he also decided that this this was the end of the relationship, and he wanted okay. to pursue other professional opportunities. You know, we we don't we don't know what was happening behind closed yeah, doors. I don't want to. So I, I I just want people. I just, don't want to speculate on what's happening exactly and well, i want people just to, to remember that you know i, I looking at, at at comments on this on 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 facebook or twitter or whatever like we have to remember that we don't know what was going on so you yeah. cannot make these knee-jerk reactions about this and i think that's really I, all we're going to say about it because yeah i am curious to see like i hope or like i guess i'd be curious to hear like a statement from the players directly exactly yeah like way, just what does Jazane landry have to say about this no yeah, it, 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 it did say that they were going to do another investigation after the olympics 
Um, so maybe we find out what happened then. Um, I think right now the two things that are clear is that something has happened and the players on the women's sevens team were very unhappy with the, with whatever it was that happened. Yeah, exactly. And as a result, John Tate is no longer the coach of the women's sevens team. Yeah. And we're like, you know, so I think that, that's all we're going to go on. Yeah. For sure. So I, um, I'm sure, I'm sure the sto- the full story will come out at some point. Hopefully, um, hopefully. And um, to move on, uh, some more bad news. Um, and, and we're taking this overseas. Uh, uh, reported by America's Rugby News, Taylor Paris is out for six months with an Achilles injury. Um, this puts oh. Taylor out of the running for the qualifier tournaments. Um, he's ha- been in j- rough shape with injuries throughout his career. So we hope that Taylor recovers pretty well because he was having an amazing he, um, yeah. season. And he, he played so well that they offered him an extension and he took it. So Taylor, uh, we hope that you, um, recover well, you know, we're all thinking about you. This is not, uh, not what you want to hear after, you know, a guy has a, a great season, um, hoping for the best for you, buddy. Um, in some exciting Canadian news, um, another young Canadian has been, uh, picked up by a, um, French Academy. Uh, Kieran Breen, uh, a center that has been a part of Canada's U20 program, is being picked up by U.S. Uh, Carcion. Um, really exciting to see another Canadian move on. I mean, there's only so many spots in MLR. Like, it, it's nice. To, uh, it's uh, it's good to see like you know young Canadians getting some contracts you know overseas again, and um, yeah, it's it, it's kind of I think between like MLR and guys signing overseas and stuff, it's going to ultimately, I think it's going to usher in kind of like a new era of Canadian rugby where yeah, hopefully we start ascending the world rankings again, um, just with the amount of guys that we have playing in the professional ranks. So yeah, um, it's always good to see when guys get signed, whether it be in the MLR or, or overseas. So, you know, happy for Kieran and, uh, you know, best of luck in, uh, in France. Um. Let's move on and finish off the show with our with our predictions. Yeah, I'm so mad about my predictions from last week too. <laughs> Man, I was I was two and three. I was. I was gonna say no. You sucked. You just flat. I, I was. Last I was. Week. I was in rough, rough two shape. Four, by the way. Um, two and four. Oh, but, fuck, even, even worse. Gosh. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, you were terrible. I'm mad because I was like on this podcast being like, I don't trust Houston's defense. And, but I was, I still, for some reason, picked Houston, despite saying I don't trust Houston's defense. And then Houston's defense played like Houston's defense and allowed, and despite <laughs> scoring 43 points, they still lost the game by seven. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I mean, like that serves me right, I guess, on that one Um. with, uh, with Houston's, yeah. defense, but. All right. Well, let's start. I, I could have been, I could have been six and oh, that's why I'm upset. I could have been uh, six and oh. Were you five and one? Is that what happened? Yeah, it was five and one. Yeah, wow. The Houston Utah you. game was the only one. Wow, that, uh, that that's, I, I think wrong. that's the best like record of the of like of one week. So oh, good job, yeah. buddy. For us, yeah, for sure. For us, okay. Um, but I'm mad because it, I could have been six and zero, oh, but I wasn't because yeah. I didn't. I didn't backtrack on Houston's pick, like you even but, suggested I do, and I still yeah uh, no. So Stu already put his his uh, his his. Uh, his predictions in and i'm sure we'll 
sync up a little video of him explaining why he's wrong or right or all right guys these are my picks for round seven so we have Seattle, uh, san diego versus new england um you know both teams coming off uh, big losses over the past round um but I'm going to have to go with San Diego. I think home advantage will play into them as it did against Utah. It'll be interesting to see. I hope uh, New England can give them at least a tough contest. But, you know, New England haven't won a game for a while now. And, yeah, so I'm going to have to go with San Diego. Uh, LA versus DC. I mean, LA are still on a continual run. I uh, don't think DC will be stopping it anytime soon. I am hoping that they will be able to provide a good contest, but yeah, it's going to be LA all again. Uh, Nola versus Toronto. Toronto obviously don't have the best track record in New Orleans, regardless of which team they're playing, but I think they've finally come into their stride. I think they know what they need to do, and this will be the one to get off the monkey's back. So yeah, it's going to have to be Toronto. And Seattle versus New York. This will be Seattle's first home game this season. Um, but that said, I don't think they have it in them at the moment. They've had their worst uh, start to a season so far. And I think New York will be feeling a bit hard done by uh, the refereeing decisions last week. And they'll want to get out there. They'll want to prove that they're still a team for consideration in both uh, the Eastern Conference and MLR as a whole. So I'm going to go with New York. Now it's on to the Toonie. As always, we will be doing heads for the home team and tails for the away team. All right. So San Diego versus New England. It's going for New England. All right. LA versus DC. It is L.A. Home. Home for heads. All right. NOLA versus Toronto. Is going for Toronto as well. And Seattle versus New York. That is going for Seattle. So those are my picks and those are the Toonies picks. So make of that what you will. Derek, uh, our first game is San Diego versus New England. Who do you got? Oh, um, this is a toughie. This yeah, is a I know. Toughie. Who's at home? San Diego? Uh, yes. I'll take San Diego just because they're at home. Okay. Um, I'm going to pick... Mm, I'm going to go, go New England. Uh, I was going to say, I'm going to pick San Diego because they're at home and hopefully they hashtag free Mike Smith. Uh, LA versus DC. Um, I mean, again, it's like, it, it's interesting kind of watching LA and stuff. Like it's interesting seeing like some, some media to, or, you know, people trying to be like, okay, maybe LA's weakness is this. And maybe LA's weakness is this and LA's weakness is this. Um, but you know, if there's with the way they're playing, when they're putting up 21 points before the five minute mark, it's like it's kind of demoralizing, even if you know yeah. what the weakness is. Um, you know what I mean? And I mean, you know, even you know, everyone knows that uh, kryptonite is Superman's weakness, but uh, 
that you know you got to be able to use the kryptonite properly in order to actually do that <laughs> you need to not be able to fumble it around and draw yeah, exactly it it's, it's not it's not enough to know what la's kryptonite is you have to figure out how to actually use it against them too uh, and i'm not sure a team has figured that out yet um again like i said last week i think like i think this is the easiest pick now it's just la la yeah, I picked LA too. Uh, the Toonie picked LA. Stu picked LA. See, even the Toonie knows. The Toonie is like, there's no, there's no way I'm not, I'm not yeah. picking LA because um, <laughs> even the Toonies, the Toonie probably didn't even flip. It probably just like landed flat on. It head. went up and slot down, on and then flipped over yeah, when exactly. it realized it was wrong. Exactly. It was just like it controlled itself in the air, and it's like, wait, this is an LA game. It's obviously um, Nola versus Toronto. You know, I think I think Toronto is kind of approaching that territory where they were last year, where I was like, I'm never going to pick against them. And uh, I think they're, I mean, not that we pick against them anyways, because we always we're not still. Yeah, exactly. We're yeah. always, we always pick Toronto, but it's like, I think genuinely Toronto is going to be, it's Toronto is, you know, putting themselves back in that category of like, why would you ever pick against this yeah. team? Um, even if you're not an Aeros fan, why would you do it? So yeah, for sure. Toronto, Toronto over Nola. Okay. Ooh, this one is, is, is a spicy one too. Seattle at home versus New York. Yeah. I'll say the same, same thing I said last week until Seattle shows me something. And I mean, hopefully they but it's do. at home and it's got those, the, the fans are going to fire them up and and, uh, and? I already, I'm picking, I'm picking New York because I already made yeah, my, so, my so that, no, 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 no. I already made my, 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 uh, you know, I'm not safe bet with, with New England. That, but Dave, I'm putting away my horse there, but Dave, I'm trying Dave. to convince you. I think that the, oh. you went, you went with San Diego. I think you should, this is, this is the one you go for because they're going to be at home. Okay. Maybe some of their new guys come in and bolster the lineup. Maybe. I think this is the game. I don't know. No, New York. All right, fine. You, you can pick New York. Yeah. That wasn't a convincing argument at all, then. No, that's fine. Quinn Nawadi, two tries. And Ooh, York. okay. I like that. All right. Well, that's uh, all we have for tonight. Uh, you know, kind of kicking it old school tonight, Derek. Um, if anybody wants to listen to any of our previous podcasts, you know, we've. I uh, got a little uh, catalog of interviews from um, Canada's uh, rugby players here in North America. Uh, feel free to find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All our links to our podcasts are on there. Um, we're on YouTube. Uh, we, we also put up the video version if you are um, more privy to watching the podcast than listening. That's also up to you. Um, and hopefully, you know what? I, I, I'm excited to see these next two weeks. The, uh, the arrow's got some stiff competition. 